It's V-Week on ESPN as we continue Jim Balvano's fight against cancer. It is time to get up with a Monday night miscue. Time ticked away from Indy at the finish. Did the clock kill the Colts? Meanwhile, all they need is love. We'll tell you why it is absolutely not the time to go to the bullpen in Green Bay. And then, if the Jets have found Mr. Wright in Mr. White, why is the coach insisting they still need to play Mr. Wrong? Those are the questions. We've got all the answers as we get up with you on a spirited Tuesday here on ESPN. Graziano's ready. Meek is ready. Tannenbaum is ready. The big swagoo Marcus Spears is ready. This was a seat that Jeff Saturday would have occupied a month ago. Instead, last night, he was on the opposing sideline from Mike Tomlin. Steelers, Colts, Monday Night Football, early second quarter. Pittsburgh up 6-0. How impressive, Dominique, is this rookie receiver, George Pickett? Yeah, he's great at contested catches. He goes up and gets the ball. He did a little illegal push there. Maybe maybe no one else agrees with me, but I'm a defensive back. I saw that extension, elbow locked and everything. But good catch. Good catch. Steelers in Colts territory, and that sets up this from the six. Najee takes it in. Steelers up 13-0. He's a big, powerful guy, dragging two Colts in the end zone with him. Now we're going to go to the final seconds of the third. The Colts are down 16-10. Matt Ryan, Michael Pittman, Indy back in the lead. Yeah, it's a great release off the line. Got open, and it feel like uh, Ryan could put it anywhere, and he got to it. Touchdown. 17-16 Indy. Steelers third and six, just outside the red zone. The big tight end is Pat Fryermuth. Steelers moving the chains, and that sets up this. Three plays later, third and goal, Benny Snell. Steelers up seven. Yeah, this game got close in the uh, in the fourth quarter. It's a great play right down there in the red zone. Uh, so here's where things get interesting. Under four minutes to go, Colts backed up on their own seven. Matt Ryan launching one. Pittman goes up, makes a great catch, and now they're in business. 28-yard gain. They're on the move. Now, I want you to watch the clock in the bottom right of your screen. Got about a minute and a half to go. Colts still have three timeouts. Ryan Sack loses the ball. Colts get it back. The clock continues to tick. 30 seconds come off before the next play, Dominique. Yeah, they're not under a ton of time pressure right now, but you can save as much time as you possibly want in this situation. It gives you more options. So maybe the coach might have made a little bit of an error. Second, second and 17. That's Matt Ryan scrambling. So they're now three yards short. It's third and three. Jeff does not use a timeout in this scenario. The clock takes down to 34 seconds. They run it for Jonathan Taylor and still don't pick up anything. Now he finally uses his timeout with fourth and three. And here's your ball game. Ryan, Harris Campbell, not to be. Steelers win. What do we think? Not a, not a very pretty pretty play right there at the end. Jeff wants a flag. I don't think he, he deserves one. Kind of a bad pass, but no one was open. It's a tough situation. All right, and so all the questions afterwards is the Steelers win it 24-17. We're about the clock at the finish. Here's Jeff Saturday with his thoughts. I thought we had plenty of time. I wasn't really concerned. We still had timeouts. I wasn't too concerned. I really wanted to, you know, when he was going down, I couldn't tell where they were going to start him from going down, right? Like if he was going to get the first down and then we got there, um, I expect this to get on the ball and be and have another play um, a little bit quicker than that. But again, it wasn't a, this wasn't a press for time. We just didn't make enough plays. All right, so here we go with the moment we all knew would eventually come. Jeff Saturday with some questionable stuff happening in the game, and it is our job to analyze what we saw. Marcus, what did you see at the finish? 
poor clock management at the end of the game. Um, you're trying to buy as much time. I'm not. I'm not concerned about not calling a timeout after the sack, guys. I think you got to get up to the line of scrimmage and try to get a play ran. And, and to Jeff's point, there was time left in order to do that. But after that long Matt Ryan run, it should have been a timeout, and then regroup and figure out what you're going to do on third down. That's coaching 101. This is coaching malpractice. Even though I love Jeff Saturday and we all do, we would grill anybody else. This play right here was the one for me where you get a timeout, you regroup, you huddle up, and you get your best play called on this third down and three. This right here, everybody in the damn world knew that you were about to hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor in that situation. So last night when I'm watching it, after the first play, when the sack happened, I said, okay, this is enough time, enough time to get downfield. You got a chunk play at the beginning of this drive. But after the Matt Ryan run, I'm, looking, I'm, I'm, I'm literally like trying to look on the TV and stare at Jeff and try to figure out what the hell are you waiting on to call timeout. And like I say for any other coach with, with, with clock management situations, like we talked about with Mike McCarthy, where are the other damn coaches saying call timeout as well? But Jeff Nim blew this one. This was bad and poor clock management. And then you get stopped on this play right here. For the record, most of the other coaches have been fired. But that's, 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 that's a separate conversation. Tannenbaum, do you agree or not? I, I, I totally agree. And I'll take it a step further. You call a timeout. 25 seconds actually went off. They, they ran that play at 59 seconds. They scrambled 14 yards. The next play was snapped at 34 seconds to Swagoo's point. And then the other part is at practice, guys, and Nick Swagoo, you guys know this, there are some plays you have called gotta have it where you're yeah. going to run a play regardless of what the defense is going to run that you know you could get three to five yards. That's why you call the timeout there, Greeny. So you say, all right, what's our gotta have it play? What's going to work regardless of what the other team does? And the fact that they didn't do it not only hurt them from a time standpoint, but from a strategy standpoint. For what it's worth, I, I went through all of the notes after the game. Jeff said they knew what play they were running. Now, Marcus said everyone knew they were going to run it, but that was the play. They had the play already called, and they were going to run the ball to Taylor on that third and short. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, but I think Marcus's point about the reset is the key one, right? Like, I get what Jeff is saying. He said, you know, I thought we had enough time, and maybe he did. They didn't lose the game because they ran out of time. They lost the game. They didn't get the fourth down. That's right. But the previous two plays had not gone as planned, right? It was a sack, yes. and then it was a Matt Ryan scramble. They, they certainly did not call a 14-yard Matt Ryan run up the middle. That, that, so now you've had – if you were clicking and everything – and you were running your offense the way you wanted, I could see keeping everybody out there, keeping it rolling. But two plays that hadn't gone the right way, now you're third and three in the final minute of a game. I think there would have been some benefit to talking it over, even if you eventually settled on the same player you were planning to run all It feels like this is an opinion conversation because no one is saying at this point that he definitively mismanaged the clock. We all accept that plays take nine or so seconds, eight to nine seconds tops. He has three timeouts, 30 some odd seconds. There's enough time to accomplish his goal in that situation. But the issue there is calling timeout gives you a chance to regroup. Right. It also gives the defense a chance to regroup. Yeah, if you know the play. So I'm, I'm just making the point that while I'm hopelessly biased, I do think that <laughs> part of this is like they didn't run out of time, but they, they had enough time to accomplish but, their goal. But the Steelers' defense was doing what it wanted to do. The Colts' offense was a 14-yard scramble. Well, but they did because they flushed them out of the pocket. I mean, obviously, you, they, they made the Colts go to their second or third option. You, wait, Swagger looks like he's ready to jump through the screen. Did, go ahead, Marcus. Did, did you see the guy that made the play on the third and three? He knew yeah. the damn play. Yeah, exactly. He knew the play. That like he went the underneath the tackle the and made a backfield yeah. tackle on Jonathan Taylor. So if Jeff Nim knew the damn play, the Steelers knew the play, like I said, Foxy. <laughs> but, and, 
Greeny, you mentioned it. They fired all those other coaches. This whole notion of taking that timeout for the guy to have it, you want to give your inexperienced play caller as much time to yes. make sure that him, Matt Ryan, and Jeff are on the same well, page. If you so know, not you're if you know Jeff like I know Jeff, it don't matter whether they would call a timeout or not. They was running the damn ball in yeah. that situation. Fair Mike enough. Mike Tomlin knew oh, it. Yeah. The linebackers knew it. I knew it. Greeny knew it. You know that, Jeff. It was well, three it was the wrong <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> it's true. Every, every single person who watches Get Up on Tuesday said, oh, they're running the ball. They're running the ball. And no question of that. All right, we'll have more on this as we go. Meanwhile, top story around the rest of the NFL is in Green Bay, where the Packers are 4-8. and eight. They play in Chicago Sunday before a bye that, candidly, they could really use. Head coach Matt LaFleur was asked about his quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is dealing with a multitude of injuries. Here's what the coach said. Can I ask why Aaron, with a broken thumb, whatever's wrong with his rib, but if it's broken or whatever it is, why Aaron in that state is better than Jordan as far as giving a better option? I don't think that's, don't think that's uh, what we're, we're arguing here. It's just... You know, we've got a lot of faith. Uh, quite frankly, got faith in both of those guys. But um, you know, Aaron's the starting quarterback. We'll take it one game at a time and make the best decision moving forward. Okay, so uh, the question is: Is it time to make the decision to put Aaron Rodgers, with all that might come with that, on the bench? Dan is already giving you a non-verbal cue. So is Tannenbaum. Let me start with Swagoo. Marcus, if you were the coach, are you sitting Aaron Rodgers right now? No. You remember I went crazy when y'all talked about, let's see what Jordan Love got? No. If Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers is healthy enough to play, then you put him in the game. Now, what I will say, G, and every all my guys up there, this is the perfect out to get Jordan Love some reps. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect situation to say, yo, Aaron, listen, man, we concerned about whatever the hell you got going on. Whether he mad or not or disgruntled and it's not going to stay in house because Aaron going to go on Pat McAfee and tell him they didn't play me even though I was healthy. <laughs> but at the end of the day, when you have a significant uh, significant opportunity to see what Jordan Love has in this particular situation, I know people talking about the numbers and there's still a possibility of going to play. They ain't going to the damn playoffs. The Green mm-hmm. Bay Packers ain't getting the playoffs. Can we end that conversation? The, the, the next part is... Let's see what this young fella got, because he looked pretty good at the end of that Eagles game. It looked like you had some things to work with. And in a larger scope of the conversation, you need to know what Jordan Love got, because you potentially may have 12 on the trading block here at the end of the season. Mm. 12 on the trading block is a fascinating little phrase. Tannenbaum, why are you nodding your head like that? Because history repeats itself. A decade ago, when we traded for Brett Favre at the New York Jets, the Green Bay Packers had three years and seven games to evaluate Aaron Rodgers. And to their credit and ultimate irony, they knew exactly what they had. And a young, ascending Jordan Love deserves that right to play. They need to know what they have. And this way, when they get to the offseason, and we know there's going to be all this crazy Aaron Rodgers, is he in, is he out drama, they'll know what they have in Jordan Love. I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers, but I am saying he's a young, improved quarterback. I don't see how you justify sitting him down until, unless he's not healthy, until you're mathematically eliminated. Right. Like I, I mean, Swaggu, I, I agree that they're not going to make the playoffs, but the fact of the matter is they have a chance. The six and seven seeds right now are True. the Giants and the Commanders. Yeah. Tell me it's impossible that like somebody True. could get in as a nine and eight wild card this year. So while you're still charging admission and you should still be trying to win the game as much, and if right. he's the best option, he's got to play until there's no more chance. If you, if you flew in and didn't know a thing, and just watch those two quarterbacks, 
a healthier Jordan Love right now that's gives you a, a better chance to now win. Now, that's well, a different too, conversation. Too bad the players aren't just flying in and they know they know the situation. <laughs> like, what is most important to me, and sometimes we lose sight of this, is it's not a video game. These people are human. And I think that the most important thing is you have to sell to them that whatever we're doing is going to be giving us the best chance to win. They have to believe that a healthy Jordan Love is better than whatever version of Aaron Rodgers. Because if you are giving up on the season, essentially, I think it's unacceptable to then walk into that locker room and say, we got to win. We got to play to the best of our abilities. When in actuality, what you're doing is seeing what you got in Jordan Love. Don't do yeah. that with my career. But right. Don't he, do that with my career. I'm going to make Jordan you play Love hard to earn it. He didn't earn it. Yes, he did. <laughs> By doing what? Playing really good against Philadelphia. And Aaron Rodgers was wincing when he's trying to throw Bro, the ball if he behind hurt, the line of This is not a conversation. If like, he's hurt and he yeah, can't play, that's, that's a different conversation. Well, that's true of any team in the but, but it's but. it's a great it's a great uh it's a great out though to get Jordan yeah, Love a look. That's true. <laughs> I, I get it's it. Great out. If he's hurt, it isn't a conversation. But how about the inverse? If he isn't at all hurt, is it a conversation? Are we having this conversation if he doesn't have a thumb and he doesn't have ribs and you just need – you traded up in the first round to take this player. At yeah. some point, maybe it's not this week, but at some point, don't they have to see what he can do? Yeah, at some point, but it's not until you are no longer uh, eligible for the playoffs. Like, there is a ranked uh, hierarchy of things that are prioritized to me in the careers and the opportunity of the guys that are on the field is above – seeing what we got. That just, to me, feels like a waste. I think they'll have their chance. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've got a buy after this game against Chicago, and then they still have plenty of time left if that's what they want to do. All right, we're just getting rolling on a spirited Tuesday as we continue. Did the head coach of the New York Jets just make his quarterback situation a lot more complicated than it needs to be? Do we have a QB controversy where none seems necessary? We'll explain. Plus, as if Sunday's loss wasn't bad enough for Brady, things got even worse yesterday. How much trouble is there for Tampa Tom? We'll answer that question right after this. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Get Up is brought to you by Willow, an all-new original series streaming this Wednesday only on Disney+. Plus. All right, Graziano, let's run the hurry-up bunch of NFL news, starting with a couple of key Bengals as they get set for Kansas City. Yeah, defending AFC champs on a roll and maybe getting healthier this week. Jamar Chase was close to going last week. They decided at the last minute to hold him out one more week on that hip injury. High expectation that he's able to go this week against Kansas City. And running back Joe Mixon missed the game because of a concussion he suffered the week before, making his way through the protocol. If his progress continues, there's a good chance he plays this week as well. Uh, all hands on deck for the Bengals against Kansas City. Uh, they could be getting healthier. The Cleveland Browns have a new quarterback this week. Deshaun Watson reinstated from his suspension. He's been practicing with the team for a couple of weeks now. He is in line to start this week's game against the Houston Texans, a team for which he used to play uh, in Houston. So Deshaun Watson will be back on the field for the Browns. We're coming off a big win over Tampa Bay. And speaking of Tampa Bay, their right tackle, Tristan Wirfs, sprained his ankle in that game, is likely to miss some time. This is, of course, terrible news for a team that is already uh, dealing with offensive line issues that started in the offseason, really, with retirements and various injuries. Uh, another blow to the Buccaneers offense, which really at this at the present time does not need uh, another problem. Well, you want to get a sense of just how bad a loss this is. Literally in the last minute, I was emailed. ESPN did a list of the top players in the NFL under the age of 25. Yeah. And Tristan Wirfs is fourth oh. on this list. Behind only Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Micah Parsons. It's a very timely email. It's how good a player this is that Brady has lost. And so in another loss on what has been a very difficult season. Here was Brady on his Let's Go podcast last night, putting the team's failures on himself. I've always believed as a leader, you, know, you always take the blame and you always give the credit. You can give in to the outside noise and everyone telling you, oh, it's not your fault, it's someone else's fault. I think that's BS. It is your fault when you lose. And you, you take it personally when you lose. You know, that's what I lay in bed at night after games thinking about. And it's a tough situation to be in, have a losing record, but that's our reality. And we haven't done anything to earn more than that. I, I don't mean this in any negative or, or in any disrespect. I feel like I've heard him say that like 12 times this season. That has been the reality of their season. Yeah. We talked about it yesterday, Nick. That felt like more than just one loss. After the bye, after a couple of wins, any idea that they were going to kind of get this thing going in the second half felt like it, it really took a big backseat last week. It's not happening. He's saying it every week. The podcast is called Let's Go. Well, let's go. Like, I'm sure he's tired of saying this. We're tired of hearing it. Although they should clip that portion and send it over to Zach Wilson because that is how you should respond in a situation like that. Uh -huh. But it feels a lot like his final season in New England. 
where there's a lot of other things going on. There's speculation, and he doesn't seem fully engaged. And I'm not arguing that he's not um, giving it all that he has, but it seems like his mind is somewhere else because, like, the timeout situation at the end of that game, just the mistakes that he's making, the errant passes in clutch situations, those are things that we know Tom Brady does not do except for in this playoff game when it felt like he was done in New England. He just had to play out the the remaining schedule. That's what you're seeing there, Brady's final game in New England. And Nick telling you this feels a little bit like that stretch run, uh, which figured to be his finish in Foxborough. Marcus, is it over? I mean, look, in, in a terrible division, they might still wind up winning it. No. But as far as accomplishing anything meaningful this year, is it over? Oh, guys, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know because, because it's Tom Brady in the playoffs, right, due to their division. But what I will say is this, G, um, and him both sent me some great stats, man. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 28th in pass block win rate and 30th in run block win rate. And regardless of how we talk about Tom Brady and his greatness and being the GOAT, which I believe he is, he's always been dependent on his line of scrimmage. And we see the result of that this year, like we've seen the result of it in years past at times when he, when protection didn't hold up and he looked abysmal. Now, this is way, way more um, than just Tom Brady in this particular situation. Uh, so to answer your question, I guess, yes. Now, I just, <laughs> and again, without worse now for a significant period of time. Go ahead, Mike Tate. Yeah, here's the one thing I would say, though. You get that home playoff game, and if they catch like, lightning in the I bottle, know, I'll give you a name. Julio Jones, right? <laughs> Julio know. Jones has been a massive disappointment. But if for one game he could step up and be close to what he was with Godwin and Edwins, they could go win a playoff game or two. I'm not counting on it, but all bets are off once you get to the playoffs. I, I, with you, Mike still, T. I, I, I want to be with you. I can see Marcus's face. Marcus and I both feel the same way. I want to go there with you. But there's literally no evidence on the field of right. any sort that they have that in there, right. right? They have one of the worst offenses in the entire league. I mean, that's and we're in week 13, right? This is not a small sample size. The reason Brady's saying the same stuff he's been saying all year is because the standings are the same as they were at the beginning of the year, right? Everyone in the division is right around 500. That hasn't, it hasn't, they haven't been done it. They're in first place. They're five and six. Look. They, this time next week, they, we will be coming off a Monday night game between the Buccaneers and the Saints. That is likely to be a 6-3 game. And if the Saints are the one that have six, we're going to be talking about, are the Bucs in trouble? Can the Saints catch them? After that, they got to go to San Francisco, where the 49ers are what everyone is telling me, the greatest team they've ever seen. And then they got to play at home against the Bengals, who are heating up. I mean, this is not... It's not a sure thing that they win the division. I get Mike T's point. No one's going to want to see Tom Brady in the playoffs. It's scary to anybody who's ever dealt with it. But it's got to get there. I hate to say this, but if I'm a fan of some of these other teams, I'd much rather see Tom Brady and that team than Dak Prescott and his team or or, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and his team. Right now it would be Cowboys-Bucks, right, in the first round. How comfortable would you feel picking the Cowboys in that game? Extremely. Really? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I picked the Cowboys no matter what. I know they're a better yeah. team. Right, well, that's true. There yeah. were literally no well, circumstances under which I'm, I'm uncomfortable I asked, Cowboys. I asked the wrong guy. <laughs> I mean, the, it, I think we all are on the same page, but you're trying to frame it differently because when you say they got to catch lightning in a bottle, like that is actually physically impossible. They're not going to catch lightning <laughs> in a bottle. It happens <laughs> on occasion for certain so teams. Logical. They get hot and they start, they start cooking. Yeah. But like assuming that they're going to be like those Giants teams that come, like it's it feels far back. By the way, Tampa and the and the Cowboys played 
Week one of yeah. this season, oh. Tampa won that game. That feels like, so like long 27 ago. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Tom Brady was young we were when all, that game was we played. So and, and married. Come on. Go to commercial. Go to commercial. No. We continue. No. Uh-uh. Get out of here. I mean, it was a fact. <laughs> and it, was a it was a fact. Man, just saying a fact. Get off his back, guys. As we continue, should we be trusting Jalen Hurts more than any other quarterback in the NFC? Plus, the tide is turning for Jalen's former team. Could Bama be the first team to make the playoffs with two losses? It's an enormous day for Nick Simmons. We're hysterical. If you're just saying facts, I'm on your side, Mike D. Uh. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Unleash more possibilities with cutting-edge systems, their most advanced features, and great prices. Plus, curate your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to state-of-the-art technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Anniversary savings await you for a limited time only at dell.com slash deals that's dell.com slash deals 10 seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on shopify (laughs) shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage shopify's there to help you grow Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We are back on Get Up, and the game is called Believe It or Not. Hey, Swagoo, if I said Russell Wilson's never going to make the playoffs in Denver, would you believe that or not? I'm not going to believe that, G, because I can't just I can't get over $250 million and you don't even <laughs> sniff the damn playoffs. If they don't sniff the playoffs, this is the most epic trade failure in the history of the NFL. It looks like that right now, but I ain't going to give up on Russ. I figure they try to reroute this system for him and make it a better situation going into next year. I don't believe it. I think Russ will make the playoffs while with the Broncos. We'll talk more Let's about that later. Meanwhile, Neek, <laughs> let's ride. If I said the Bills can't win the Super Bowl without Von Miller, believe that or not? I don't believe it. I think Von Miller is a very important piece. He's kind of the closer in these fourth quarter games. I think it makes it a lot, in the fourth quarter of games, I think it makes it a lot more difficult. But as long <laughs> as Josh Allen can throw those passes like he threw at the end of that game, I believe that they can score with anybody. And then Tannenbaum, I'll come to you. If I said Jalen Hurts right now is the best quarterback in the entire NFC, do you believe that or not? 
I actually do believe it, and I was probably a, a late adopter here, but two stats uh, do it for me. Number one is only one game this year did Philadelphia score less than 20 points, and 40% of the time that he runs the ball, it results in a first down. He's really been unstoppable, both with his arm and his legs, and this is the most complete team right now, and he's earned the right. Wow, there isn't any question but that he has played the best of any quarterback in the NFC. Yesterday, our Ryan Clark, sitting right here, had this praise for Philly's young quarterback. He's the guy I trust the most in the entire NFC playoff picture to lead their team to a Super Bowl. You're asking me, give me one quarterback on one of the good teams, and Jalen Hurts is the guy I take. Jalen Hurts has not played a bad game this season. There's never been a point in this season you say, you know what? The Eagles are struggling because Jalen Hurts is playing bad. That has not been it. They are winning football games because of their quarterback. You know, I mean, I think the only question marks that come about Jalen Hurts are from expectation. Like, like we're seeing something that we did not expect to happen, and so some people, and you're acknowledging it, and I am yeah. too, we're kind of slow to say, what oh, my eyes are seeing is actually real. But it's one thing to say he's excellent. It's another thing to say you trust him more than any other quarterback in the NFC. That's the point. Trust is emotional. Like, there's part empirical, and then there's part, like, feel. And I think he's done all that he can do as far as proving to us with the facts on the field that he should have the most trust. But there's something about having seen somebody do it before that gives you a little bit more trust. We've seen him in the playoffs once. It wasn't pretty last year. And we've seen all, some of these other quarterbacks have success in the playoffs and not only have success because their team was great, have success because in certain moments they were great. So I think Jalen Hurts has the capability, but it's a little hard to give him the trust the most label when there are other guys. Monique, I think trust is earned, and this goes back to like the scouting action guys. The tape sets the floor and the character sets the ceiling. This is a guy that got beaten out in college. He had a transfer, and he was a second-round pick, not a first-round pick. Jordan Love was picked before him, and all he's done has gotten better and better. So to me, he's earned it every step of the way. I have no questions about Jalen Hurts' capabilities or what's inside of him, right, in terms of his drive to be great and his ability to elevate. I, I mean, he's played one playoff game, right? Dak Prescott's played four playoff games, and he hasn't had success in them, but that experience has to help, right? This word trust is the tricky one because you can't trust any of these guys that are going to be NFC playoff quarterbacks. You can talk yourself into one of them if you want, and and – as you say, emotionally, you may just like Hurts' chances better. You may like Dak Prescott's chances better. Hurts plays the same number of playoff games as Taylor Heineke, who right now is in the playoff field as well. We don't know. And Taylor's playoff game was you much better than Hurts'. That's trust. an important point. I'm, yeah. I'm going to put the picks up as I give it to Swagoo here, and I will just – if the playoffs were to start right now, this is who we trust the most. The playoff were to start right now, in no particular order. I just jotted the names down. The NFC quarterbacks would be Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady on this really bad team we keep talking about, and Taylor Heineke. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not murderer's row uh, that not. we're talking about here. Swagoo, who do you trust the most? Jalen Hurts. I don't know why we're talking about four years of Dak and all of that. Jalen Hurts right now has built the trust in the 2022-2023 season for you to, like, unequivocally trust him. The dude has only thrown five interceptions, five interceptions this season let alone in the last three games, which Dak has thrown four. When you look at Philly, and, and two, I like I understand what all of you guys are saying. I'm, I'm, I'm getting on uh, Graz a little bit. But honestly, y'all, this trust it. is also built because of what's around Jalen Hurts. Yes, we've seen his maturation. We've seen what he's been able to do. I think he's such I, – I think this leap of the ability to push the ball downfield and the confidence yeah. – to push the ball downfield is one of the biggest jumps that we've seen probably since Josh Allen. 
from his rookie year to when we when he got with Brian Dayball. Right. But Jalen is in a system yeah. and surrounded by guys that will compensate for when he's not 100% on his game. He got a Marcus. running game. He got receivers that win one-on-ones. He got the best offensive line in the NFL. I trust Jalen Hurts more because of all you, of those things. Yeah. A super quick question. Like you've played in national championship games on the college level. Jalen yeah. Hurts hasn't played a lot of NFL playoff yeah. games. He's played monster games on the college right. level. College football playoff, national championship, SEC championship, at LSU, all these games. Does that matter? Does, does that matter when you get to the NFL? It absolutely does matter. And we I talk so about Jalen. I think it matters. Oh, go ahead, Foxy. I, I, I think it matters, but I also point. think that we're, we're talking about two different questions. Because I agree, I trust the Eagles more. But if you, like, swap quarterbacks, like, I think – the Eagles get better with Dak Prescott at quarterback in the playoff situation. So, like, I think that's the question is we're talking about those names that you mentioned. Yeah. We're, we're combining two things, previous success in the playoffs and how they're playing currently. Tom Brady mm-hmm. has the most previous success of anyone ever, but he's playing poorly right now, so none of us chose him. And right now, that mix of playing well right now and having had some success, that leads me to Dak Prescott. All right, I got Heather and Paul waiting to go. Uh, let's come back to this. Our producer is Allie. Allie, let's come back to this a little later in the show because I, I think there's more uh, to be mined in this conversation. In the meantime, let's take you to the winning moment, which is brought to you by U.S. Bank. The winning moment on Saturday. Michigan's J.J. McCarthy, a 45-yard touchdown in the third quarter, giving the Wolverines a lead they would never give back. Michigan winds up dominating the second half and beating Ohio State 45-23, solidifying what we all assume will be a spot in the college football playoff. Maybe they will be number one when the new rankings come out tonight. We will see. There's a lot of questions about that, and let's get with Heather and Paul here. So what is the number one, Heather, for the fans who are getting set to watch it tonight? What is the single most important thing they need to be watching for? Who's number five, as in how far do the Buckeyes fall? Because I would assume that they're number five because they should still have two CFP top 25 wins, including possibly a top 10 win against Penn State when the ranking is revealed. But if even if Ohio State's five and Alabama is six with two losses, those two teams are both in position to finish in the top four on selection day if upsets happen. If TCU loses and USC loses, those two teams come back into the conversation, but they're not playing anymore. Ohio State and Alabama are done. No more chances to impress the selection committee. So whoever is number five tonight is going to have the edge if upsets occur. But I will tell you this, if Somehow, Alabama is number five, which I'm not projecting. But if they are, there will be an absolute uproar. An uproar. Because their two best wins are against Ole Miss, which lost one point on the road against Texas, which was playing most of the game with its backup quarterback. Ohio State has a stronger resume, not only on paper, but according to ESPN's strength of record. Well, for those who are not following it closely, Ohio State has better wins. Alabama has better losses. So it's a question of what you like. Ohio State got blown out at home. Alabama lost on the last play of two games against good teams, albeit not right this moment great teams. Paul, if you were in that room, who would you be lobbying for at number five? Ohio State. And for the reason you just laid out, Greeny, it, it, both, both strengths of schedules are, are – well, clearly Alabama has a better strength of schedule, but I, ca- I can't put somebody in because they have good losses. And one thing you have to remember about Alabama, why are, they, why are we even talking about them versus Tennessee? Tennessee beat Alabama and beat LSU. Uh, remember, Alabama lost 
to LSU three weeks after losing to Tennessee. And the one thing that Alabama did not have to do that I think the committee ought to consider, they didn't have to play Georgia, the best team in the country. And I think that would have been another loss. So I would clearly go in favor of Ohio State. I don't like it. I I think they completely collapsed in the fourth quarter and it was embarrassing. But they still get the edge over Bama. All right, and again, all this, it feels like, only happens in the event that TCU and or USC lose. That brings us to the next question, Heather. TCU, they're not, you know, sort of the glamour program that we talk about with Alabama, Ohio State, and all the rest of it. Can they afford to lose? Is there a scenario where TCU, which currently has zero losses, loses in the Big 12 championship game and still makes it into the Final Four teams? Yes, it's not impossible. As a matter of fact, our metrics love TCU even with a loss, but I will point this out. They have not moved up in the selection committee's rankings even though back-to-back road wins against Baylor and Texas. And when they beat K-State, remember, during the regular season, they had to overcome an 18-point deficit. The committee does not like that. So, Let's see what happens in that game. How they lose if they lost would certainly matter. Uh, And then finally, Paul, if everyone that we expect to win wins this weekend, we think we know who the final four teams would then be. Would they be the right ones? Would those be the four best and most deserving teams in the country if it winds up Michigan, Georgia, in whatever order they are, TCU and USA? I think so, Greeny, and you know we, we get cut up on semantics every year. Who's who's the best? There's no way to know when, when you when you ha- when TCU has a different type of schedule. But ultimately, I, I think we would see Georgia, and then obviously Michigan, TCU, and USC. So you'd have a Georgia SC game and a Michigan TCU game in the semifinals. And, and look, it is worth noting that if Michigan does wind up at one and Ohio State winds up sneaking in at four, we would at that point be set up for a rematch in the college football playoffs. So there's a lot of stuff that is left to be worked out, and we'll see it all tonight. Guys, thank you, Heather and Paul. Heather will be here tomorrow with full reaction. And then this weekend, the featured college football lineup is ready to go. Conference championship Saturday begins noon Eastern. Three games on ABC. Sunday at noon Eastern, the exclusive reveal of the final rankings. You will find out who the top four teams will be playing in the Fiesta and Peach Bowls, otherwise known as the college football playoff. All right, coming up, if the Jets have found Mr. Right in Mr. White, why is the coach insisting they still need to play Mr. Wrong? We'll answer that question next. You watch and get up on ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
We are back on Get Up, and the game is called Awesome, Awful, and Awkward. Only today we're going to do it backwards. Neek, give me something awkward from week 12. Oh, it was the Jaguar who <laughs> was trying to stay cool Bro. and took off his, his fit and just went with the body paint. Oh, wait for the thrust. To, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> give it to him. That is genuinely the most awkward thing I've, I've ever seen in my entire life. I have no idea how to respond to it. Uh, All right, here uh, we Swagoo, go. give me something awful that you saw in week 12. Man, did y'all see Sean McVay catch them oh. hands? Oh, oh God. Yes. Dude. This was awful, man. And I know I know Sean McVay is a tough dude, but his jaw is, is, is in, it's in, the, it's in the holy sanctum right now. He's trying to figure <laughs> out what the hell Whoa. happened. Look at that, man. That's tough. That's that's what you call friendly fire, baby. Casualty to friendly fire. I got to get on the field, coach. You got to get out of the way. Watch your jaw, man. I might go home now just having seen <laughs> a Tannenbaum. Give me something awesome from week 12. Greedy, this is for you. You found a quarterback, Mike White. Go ask the Jet receivers. They played with energy. He distributed the ball. Garrett Wilson had five catches, and it looked like a playoff team on both sides of the ball. So Mike White, awesome. Yeah. He was. He was terrific. Of that, there is no question. He uh, threw it to 10 different receivers yeah. in the game. He played an outstanding game. And yet there is a complication in all of this, which is that they have a player on their roster who they drafted to be the future of their team a year ago with the second pick in the draft. So here was Robert Sala yesterday talking about his plan for the quarterbacks going forward. Has Mike's performance uh, caused you to perhaps reconsider the quarterback plan that you outlined for us on Wednesday, the one where you said, you know, you fully intend to get Zach back on the field this year. Uh, no, it's uh, like I said, we're, we're going to go week to week. There's, there's things that we'd love to see Zach accomplish over the course of uh, we'll call it a reset. And this is Mike White's opportunity that doesn't change. So Mike's got an opportunity to go stack another uh, great day up this week. And when we feel like Zach is ready to roll, he's going to roll. All right, so Mike Tannenbaum, you seem to have an issue with that. What is it? That is so bad. I mean, I've been in that building. I know this market. That, that is the worst thing he could have said. Like, he handled it incredibly well a week ago. The best players play. Zach Wilson did not earn a jersey to be on the field. Mike White's your quarterback, period, end of story. It's etched in concrete. Zach Wilson's in an offseason program. He needs to get stronger, work on his fundamentals. Joe Flacco's the backup. Fellows, there's no story here. Next question. Hmm. That's so what you're saying. If indeed that is the decision they have come to, then I would agree with you. But I'm not 100% sure coming up. How can they not have, make that decision? Like, it is so clear and obvious. But it's, one, it's one game against a defense that is bad when they're healthy and in this game was actually injured. So you're, look, I, I'm not disagreeing. If you think you've seen enough to say Mike White is my quarterback going forward now, no ifs, ands, or buts, at least for the rest of this season, then I agree with you. But Marcus, that's the question. Have, have you seen enough to say we're sitting down for the rest of the year, the kid we took number two overall last season? Yeah, G, and you know I said last week that he needed some time to kind of grow and mature in this game. I think this is a Taylor Heineke, Carson Wentz situation. No, I'm not casting dispersions on, on Zach Wilson being, um, being obviously Carson Wentz. What I'm saying is you look at the responsiveness of a team. You look at the guys around. You saw these guys celebratory 
about Mike White. And look, the backup is always popular, especially when he come in and do a good job. I remember mm -hmm. sitting on these damn shows six weeks ago and G trying to tell us Cooper Rush should be starting for the Cowboys that's, that's when true. that get back. Like, Not I'm going to exactly leave this. what I said. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just messing <laughs> yeah, with you, G. Yeah, yeah. I'm just messing. But, but ultimately, like, I think this is more about Zach Wilson than Mike White's performance, right? We don't know. We Like, we've seen Mike White do well and then fall off a cliff before. We've seen that in his career. But I think this is about Zach Wilson and giving him time to really digest. And I'm a big believer with these young guys. Sometimes it is good to be on the sideline, to see operation, to see a guy that's older and more mature kind of handle certain situations so you can come back and try to have those in your bag as well when you, when you return. But right now I'm with Mike T, man. This should be about Mike White starting and making the Jets the team that they think they can be by just facilitating and not being anything great. You know, sometimes there are things the coaches say when they're standing up there, and then we don't know exactly what's going on inside the building. Do you? Like, what are you hearing from inside there about this decision going forward? There's a, they're trying to thread a tough needle here because yeah. the kid that they drafted second overall 19 months ago mm -hmm. is still part of their job, right? They still have to develop him and try and, and turn him into a, a player that he's not currently. So they can't let him give up hope, right? Like, that's part of coaching him and getting him better. To Swagoo's point, Mike White has has not always played the game he played Sunday. I think, look, if Mike White continues to play the way he played Sunday and they continue to win games, he's going to keep starting. I don't think that needs to be expressed, right? I think that's right, obvious. Right. And I'm, just, I'm not sure anybody needs to actually say it. I don't get the benefit of saying this guy's our quarterback for the rest of the year, and then Mike White goes out and lays two eggs the next two Let weeks, and you got to put Zach Wilson back. I think the point team. is when you're in a leadership situation like that and you're doing the press conferences, you're trying to communicate to people. You're not communicating to the, the media. You're either talking to your team, you're talking to a specific player, and it seemed like after hearing it again, what he's doing there is he's talking to Zach to Wilson. Zach, right. And it doesn't feel like Mike White needs that encouragement. It doesn't feel like the team needs that reassurance. It feels like the one person, and while I think Mike Tannenbaum is right, he's going to get, uh, Salah is going to get criticized for this, but it feels like it's probably the right thing to say in this situation because the one person who needs a vote of confidence right now is not Mike White. The players are happy. The one person who needs it right now is Zach Wilson. But, Nick, I agree with you, and that's why Salah handled it totally wrong. He should have called Zach Wilson in his office and said, here's what we're going to do and why. But when you're the New York media and every day you're going out to Florham Park, this is gold for you. You have a bonafide quarterback controversy. Every week they're going to ask about this instead of nipping it in the bud. We will see. they got back-to-back -back tough games here on the road. The Jets play at Minnesota, then at Buffalo, and then things might shift a little bit. So there's still a lot of season left to be figured out Lord, for a team that right now next two games. is in Jesus. the playoff picture. Well, if Mike White wins those two games, then he, of course, is the MVP. Uh, and then, <laughs> and let's take a quick look at what happened last night. Did you see what happened to LeBron's Lakers last night? So I oh, my you're not going to like this. The Fourth meltdowns. Quarter. The Lakers are up 15, right? There's LeBron. They're at home against Indiana. This is Russell Westbrook. He's working, he's working, he's working, he's working. Look at a nice little dish. The Lakers have a 17-point lead with 10 minutes to go. And then the rest of the game happened. Under four minutes, Pacers with an eight. This is the rookie, Benedict Matherin. He's terrific. 23 off the bench for him. Pacers cut it to six. Now we're under three minutes to go. Pacers are within four. There's another rookie, Andrew Nemhard, knocking down a three. It's a one-point game. Under a minute to go, Pacers down a deuce. Swagoo, Tyrese Halliburton into the lane. He ties the game at 113. 
Under 30 seconds to go, same score. Bear in mind, the Lakers had a 17-point lead. There's LeBron, he had 21. That gives them a two-point advantage. Nine seconds left. Lakers oh! need a stop. Here we go, Miles Turner. Box out! No. They didn't box out. Ball gets tipped around. Find the and open man, goes. Braun! It's Nemhard. Is the open ah! man? The Pacers win! They win on that shot at the buzzer. He's the first Pacers rookie to make a game-winning buzzer beater since Rick Smits. Wow. It says here in 1989. I feel like it was, it was 1889. It's been so long. First time the Lakers have lost a game after leading by 14 in the fourth quarter since the year 2000. They had won 378 straight games in that circumstance since then. What a night. All right, 24th annual ACC Big Ten Challenge coming your way. Tonight, doubleheader starts with Illinois hosting Syracuse, and then we got Virginia taking on Michigan. Two great matchups. All the action's available on ESPN and the ESPN app. Coming up, what the actual heck happened at the end of Monday Night Football? Why didn't the Colts call timeouts in the final moments? We'll get to the bottom of it right after this. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. Television.